Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast, where we cultivate greater insight and artfulness to our ever-evolving humanity. I talk with everyday people dealing with everyday challenges using timeless wisdom and knowledge through the lens of a regular meditation practice. In this podcast, we explore the nuances of the ever-increasing demand to change and how we can meet our condition and transmute it so that we can reveal ever more deeply our true nature. Hi, Johnny. I just had a follow-up question to the previous question, which was really about performing action on this level of consciousness to help the world rather than at the lower levels of, you know, yep, we've got to save the trees and use electric cars, but actually the level of activism that's required is at the level of consciousness that you spoke to um, through the performance of some of these rituals. I guess my question is why does nature need that from us or would like that support because if everything is perfect as it already is and everything is co-creating itself and we are creating some of those distortions that are in the field anyway and everything is as it should be how do I get my head around why this level of conscious action is even required of us great question so what I'd like you to do is to open yourself to complexity which means to allow yourself to conceive of the fact that right now everything is exactly as it should be. There is an unfathomable intelligence pervading all aspects of reality that is governing all things that are taking place and it makes no mistakes. And then with that, understand that we are living in a reality that demands that we heed the calling of a function of nature, which is to remain in creation, mm. to not ignore the impending destruction that is upon us. And to recognize that participation in that calling is an imperative of nature. So we have this understanding that this intelligence is taking care of everything in the universe. And it is demanding that we participate in that care. We contribute. And the great lesson in that for us is that we are not anything other than it that we are the hand in the body and nature is now calling its whole body into action mm. in order to orchestrate a graceful transition from a lower state into a higher state and so when we look at it from that perspective we've bridged the divide between us and nature us and god we are recognizing there's no separation. We're one and the same thing. And that when we feel an impulse to act and to contribute something in any given moment that not only serves me, but serves the other with primary attention actually on the other, 
it's important for us to recognize that we are in alliance with that underlying intelligence, that supreme intelligence. It has acquired our nervous system to be the instrument of its desire to continue sustaining creation. We are, it is sending an impulse. Oh, you, you're in a very um, precarious place if you continue with this kind of behavior. Destruction will ensue. And annihilation is a potentiality. And the fact that there is a critical mass of individuals on the planet whose nervous systems are detecting this and going, well, this is not right. No, we should start caring and we should start acting suggests very clearly to me that there is immense opportunity for survival and then flourishing. Because the fact that we exist and we're here, we're even having this conversation, we have the capacity to, to reflect and consider the implications of our power to contribute in some way. Because let's face it, all the problems that uh, are taking place that we can observe are human-generated problems. You know, they're not elephant problems. I mean, they're problems for elephants, but they're not problems that elephants are creating or tigers or monkeys or mice or anything like that. They're all human-based problems, right? Mm. So when we recognize that we as human beings, as immensely powerful as we are, because we can cause the demise of a whole planetary ecosystem pretty easily, pretty quickly, if we keep going, mm. to recognize that, well, if we have the power to destroy, we obviously have immense power to create as well. We've been imbued with an immense responsibility. And we must see ourselves in that light. You know, there's a massive anti-humanist movement on the planet right now. But the mantra is that we are just terrible. And the only way that we can possibly save ourselves is to integrate ourselves with some artificial intelligence to steer us back on some kind of path. And this to me is lunacy. We have authentic intelligence, it's the true AI, that is imbued within us, and we need to start liberating that through the, the design of our humanity and relinquish this idea that we are somehow separate from the intelligence that governs everything. Mm. We are the body of God. We are the body of creation. We are actioning the will of the divine in our bodies through our bodies. It's the purpose of the body. We are an instrument to exercise extraordinary intelligence in a realm that is intelligent and reciprocal of intelligence, mm. reciprocal of intent. And if we want there to be a harmonious environment, then we need to be really clear about what our intention is and how we direct it to what. Who and what am I directing my attention to? If we see everything as sacred, divine and intelligent, then I'm directing a sacred intent toward everything. Surely that's the recipe of harmony. Imagine I could direct 
the intention of harmony with the sensibility of sacredness to absolutely everything and everyone I encountered. Imagine if everybody did that. What would occur? We'd sanctify the space immediately. Oh, you see me. Oh, I see you. And then we, we get on with being the extraordinary beings that we are. Easier said than done. <laughs> so, I mean, does that make sense? In terms of the, the reconciling of the, of the two? It does. It's just what I'm hearing you say is so complex to hold, really, when the truth of it hits. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I suppose there's great comfort in knowing that the intelligence takes care of itself, that everything is as it should be. And there's almost like a part of oneself that feels so much comforted by that, that everything will be okay with or without you. But actually what it also requires is your complete aliveness and full participation in the co-creation of that. And so like the, the, do you know what I mean? There's like a comfort of like resignation, but also full participation that is really hard to completely embody. Yeah. And this is, this is part of the big journey um, that I describe as the spiritual journey Mm. is that we have to wean ourselves off these old ideas that we are separate from nature, Mm. that we're insignificant, that we're powerless and there's not much that we can actually do about what's going on here. Mm. This is the greatest delusion that humanity is bound by right now. And this is the the greatest thing of urgency that we must liberate ourselves from. Mm. We have to confront our power. We have to live it. And that's a painful thing because we have to go back through our life and reconcile the conviction of belief that we've invested with the, the notion that we are not relevant, not significant, not lovable, not valuable at the heart of everything that we've done. Mm. And that's caused an immense amount of pain in our hearts. The soul's grieving. There's an underlying grief in the collective consciousness that is this. And then we have our personal stories. And the only way to liberate ourselves from this is to feel it, to feel the intensity of it. And if we can do it collectively, share in the responsibility, and then celebrate at the same time the fact that we're doing that, we're taking care of it, Mm. then something extraordinary is happening there. This is the thing that does the thing. This is how the healing happens. We feel it collectively. We collectively commiserate. And then we celebrate the fact that we're all waking up to our power. And then we get better and better at that. It becomes something that is a lot easier to do. And then the focus and the emphasis is really on the celebration and the, the, the creativity and the power that's generated through our coming together in this way. The challenge in holding the complexity is only that you have such clear vision now of 
your power and your responsibility and you're clear on the extent to which there's still work to be done to really claim it. Mm. And that feels like a high mountain or a long distance, but it is like here now. It's not far away at all. It mm. just requires you start doing it now and then it's happening. Mm. Don't rely on it to feel a particular way. We don't gauge our experience based on our gross feelings. If we are relying on our feelings to determine whether we're making progress or not on any given day, at any part of any day, we would feel like we're failing miserably because we can feel really heavy feelings and still be absolutely in the zone, in the sweet spot of our power. Mm. Feelings are no litmus test for the progress that we're making. There is a deeper knowingness, a quiet awareness that's witnessing all of this taking place and knows it's okay, stay with it. This is all part of it. This is beautiful. You're remaining present, you're open, you're compassionate. Your intention is love. You see the sacredness of life, despite the fact that you feel all of these feelings that might be contradicting it. That's the truth. That's the power. Then you're doing it. You're in it. This is what it looks like. And you've claimed it in that moment. In that moment, you've claimed it. You're doing it because you're there. You're in it. It's just a, it's learning how to recognize that that's actually happening. Because we're still running the old stories that we impose over it. It's like, look at you. You just feel so crap. And you just thought that really terrible thing because you got that terrible feeling. And you're such a terrible person. God, you thought you were making progress, but you're really not. And this is nonsense. <laughs> we only need to look at that for what it is. And while we're witnessing that lovingly and compassionately, we're in the pocket. We're in the sweet spot. Always reverting to gentle surrender, love and compassion. Feeling what we've got going on. Love and compassion. And it just stops any grippiness on any absolute idea that gets us in our head and declares reality in, a, in an inaccurate way. Love and compassion creates a lubrication that enables our grippiness to just slide off and be easy in this moment, soft in our heart. And sometimes it's hard to access that love and compassion when we feel pain, anger, resentment, all of these things that are happening inside of us. And that's where the work is. Learning to sit with it and just breathe through it. Move through it. Continue moving through it. Mm. And if you can get into the state of mind that this is priority number one, this is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. And you make that priority and life revolves around that. That is to say, life revolves around your understanding that this moment is sacred and it requires the fullness of your attention in every moment, then it all becomes a lot easier. Whereas if a whole bunch of other things outside you are more important than that, then this just becomes an inconvenience. You just become an inconvenience to yourself. It's like, oh, <laughs> do we really have to be feeling something right now? I just want to get on with it. <laughs> We've got it all backwards. If you say, no, 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 okay, well, I'm feeling something here. Stop. 
Nothing more is important. Mm. And then you get so good at it that you don't actually have to stop. You keep going at whatever you're doing, the secondary priority of doing, and you remain constant, vigilant, to the tending to the flame in your heart, mm. keeping it burning bright. Mm. And really feeling the immensity of our power, mm-hmm. yeah, which is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to contain. Yeah, yeah, it is. It comes with a great responsibility. But you know, the more we do it, the more we exercise it, the, the com- more comfortable it becomes. It just—it's like wearing new shoes. You know, we put them on; they look great, but they don't feel great. <laughs> it's like you know, and you, you just got to. They might even give you a blister, but you bear with it, and then they become the most comfortable thing you own. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking some time to listen to the One Giant Mind podcast, and I hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice, One Giant Mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now. You can go to onegiantmind.com. And have a look at our teacher directory. We've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the One Giant Mind Being technique, both in person and online. And if for whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free Learn to Meditate app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's got a 12-step course that'll get you started. And if you're already a regular meditator and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world, We strongly encourage you to check out our One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. We train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community, equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately. We teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community. And we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers. A special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Trady, our music composer, the one and only Ali Liberman, and all of the One Giant Mind team. <laughs>